This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Amen. Let's just, would you give him a round of applause this morning, shall we? God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are a God that is alive. Amen. You can find a seat today. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. Good morning. It's good to see faces out there. Glad that you're here. Glad that you, glad that you came to church. I know that there are many that are on vacation. Rhonda and I ourselves are going to be heading out on vacation here pretty quick as well. And uh, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you took vacation. Glad that you're taking vacation. Uh, but we're glad that you come to church because the church wouldn't be church without you. So we're glad that you're here. Pastor Trenton and Al- Pastor Alley are on vacay right now. If you've been on Instagram, you're seeing them gloat about their cruise right now to the <laughs> Mexican Riviera, and uh, they're having a good time. But God, we just ask, would you pour out strength in their lives? Would you pour out refreshing? God, every person that is, that is on vacation, would you just remind them of your goodness? and your presence. God, today we pray for those things. God, those that are heading out, those that are coming back, God, would you just bring a clarity in all that you're going to do in, in our lives and, and help us to step back in to do what we need to do as well as retreat from what we need to retreat from. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Everyone say, this is us. This is us. We're starting a brand new series today. Uh, I, I get to launch it here before the, the team takes over in the next couple of weeks to to delve into some of these things, but brand new series, This Is Us, Um, and you go, well, who is us? And it's kind of like, well, we are the church. Everyone say, we are the church. We are the church. We're Relevant Life Church. Um, How many have ever gone through a moment in your life when you lost your identity? Anybody ever go through, remember those moments, whether it was junior high or maybe it was, maybe it was 50 years old, whatever it is, those moments that you're kind of going, who am I? Who am I? Everybody out there, you, you can think of a moment when you thought, who am I? What is it that defines me? What is it that shapes my life? Um, a moment when you tried to clarify your identity, a moment when you tried to find out what, what are you good at? What are you not good at? Who, really, who, who are you? Where do you fit? How many have ever asked your, yourself that question, where do I even fit? Where do I even fit? Today, we want to talk about this concept a little bit as we step into this is us. I want to give a foundation of this is us, a foundation of who we are, a foundation of identity. This word identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. So when you step back and you think about you as a person, as an identity, we have to answer that question of a who and a what. It's not about a how. It's about a who and a what. It's not about what... It's not about... Uh, what we look like necessarily, but it's more about who and what we are. What is it that comes from our lives? It goes on, we can uh, digress a little bit into this sense of identity, but characteristics and traits, oftentimes we go to uh, physical physical personality traits and we can go, that person is, that's that's that person because we recognize them from a defining defining look that they have. Uh, People are going to look at me and they're going to define me as tall, probably, right? Uh, uh, They're going to define me as good looking, uh, handsome, you know, the best in the Reich family, right? I mean, no, but I mean, we we, we do, we we, kind of look at it, we begin to look and go, no, there's traits that, that define them, right? Am I correct? Traits that define them. But what I want us to look at here is, yes, the traits, the physical traits, the personality traits, uh, the who and what, but I want us to come back to what is the church? 
What is the church? Why are we here? And what is its purpose? Not only do people in, a, in, in our culture, not only do you and I possibly go through an identity crisis, but can I tell you that I believe that the church of Jesus Christ has gone through many levels of identity crisis. I believe that today that we are still the, that not necessarily relevant life church, but I believe that Christians today are in the midst of an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And I love that we're stepping into this concept right after the Bible series, because can I tell you, the Bible is what defines who you are. The Bible is what tells you what you are to do and what you are to look like. So when we come and go, who am I? What am I to do? The Bible, we just need to get back into it. But this identity process is here. Identity crisis, a period of uncertainty and confusion. Can I tell you today that the world and our culture wants to confuse who you are? That we have an enemy of our soul that wants to redefine the church wants to redefine the church. Can I tell you that for the last 2,000 years, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but Jesus is the one that called the church the church. And for the last 2,000 years, culture and our enemy has tried to bring an identity crisis, an identity crisis into our lives. We can see it throughout the generations. We have what I would call identity theft. You know, I mean, I don't know if you have, how many have ever had your identity stolen where they've stolen a credit card or they've stolen something and, and the problem and the hassle that goes along with that. Can I tell you today that the enemy of your soul wants to steal your identity? He wants to corrupt your identity. He wants to pull away from you the value of what you are. Not only do we have identity theft, but we have an alternate identity. And I can tell you today that I believe that probably all of us in our life have had an alternate identity. As believers, we come back and go, well, you know, Paul's the one in Romans that says, I do what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't get to do, or I don't do. You know what I mean? He's talking about an alternate identity. He's talking about this sinful nature that's behind and this competing for the spirituality that's there. Uh, I think also that sometimes we can have a mistaken identity. And that's kind of where I want us to settle is this concept of identity of where are we? Do I, am I in the middle of an identity crisis? And if that's the case, then I want to help us identify that in your life. Are you, uh, has your identity been, been stolen from you and how do you acquire that identity back? Do you have a mistaken identity? Is there an alternate identity that you're not living the way you know you should be living? In this series, we want to tell you who you are. We want to tell you who we are. We want to tell you in that process of who we are, what we are. So today, I'm not going to solve all the questions. I'm not going to answer all the questions. I'm creating questions. The next, next eight weeks are going to be answering those questions of who we are and what we are to do. But I can tell you this, what I've had to learn in my own life is that I cannot be replaced. I cannot be replaced. Not, I'm not talking about my job. I'm talking about me as a piece of humanity that God designed and created Kevin the way that God designed and created Kevin. And there is no one on this planet that's like me. And you're probably going, thank you, Jesus. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. But can I tell you that if we don't come to that place of going, no, I'm unique, and there's no one that can replace me, no one that can displace me, then I have to be me. Can I tell you that no, there, that even though there's a general idea of, a ch- of churches across the land, there are, there are individual identities of churches, and we're going to be talking about those identities of churches. What is the church? The church is not a building with a steeple or a cross. It's not a place with stained glass or pews or chairs. The church is not a campus or a location. These things do not make the church. The church is much more than a structure. It's much more than equipment and programs and tradition. The church 
is the body of believers. The church is the followers of Jesus Christ all over the world. What's so amazing is we get to come together and we get to worship together. We get to come together and we get to pray together. We get to encourage each other. We get to share the love of Christ with, the, with others. We serve together. We fulfill the purpose of God that has, God has planned for his church together. It's not an individual. It's, and it's that together, you and I are Relevant Life Church. You and I are us. You and I are what we do. I've always been captivated by the vision of the church. I've always been captivated by this concept of what could a church look like if everybody would just get on the same page? If what would happen if the church would just come to this place of, of, of total surrender to Jesus? That we would get our agenda out of the way. Let me ask you, what would it look like today on, on July 30th, 2023, if you came to church with God's agenda and not your agenda? What if you came and walked in these doors today going, God, I don't care about me. All I care about is you. Can I tell you that that's really what the vision of this church is? Many times, you know, when I was younger, I came back, would go back and go, man, I just want a church like the Acts church. How many of you ever thought that? You know, can we just have church like the early church? Can I tell you the early church was really, really screwed up? It was a mess, right? I mean, there's corruption, there's deception. It was all based upon the grace of God. Can I tell you, as we look at 2023, the church is screwed up. There's corruption, there's disruption, there's deception, but it's all based upon the grace of God. And who we are is based upon him. David Watson said this, it is the church that is willing to die to worldly standards that will know the power of Christ's resurrection. Think about it. How, how many want, no, I'm not just talking about the bodily resurrection of Christ, but he's talking more about the power of Christ's resurrection. That the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the Bible says what? Dwells within you and me. We're talking about the power of Christ's resurrection. Not the event, the power of. It may be envied for, this depth, for its depths of loving relationships or for its spontaneous joy. It may be hated and even persecuted for its revolutionary lifestyle, exposing the hollow values and destructive selfishness of, of the society that, seeks, that it seeks to serve. But it certainly cannot be ignored. And I want to ask you today, before I even read this last line, where has the church been, become ignored? Have, are, are we the church that people look at and go, oh, we envy you for these spontaneous and joy-fulfilled relationships? Or do we have backbiting and garbage going on in the church that people are going, I don't want to be part of that? What has happened to this uh, idea of being hated and persecuted and still finding joy in the middle of all of that? Instead, we want to run away from those things. And I want to ask you today, are we envied? Is, it something, is the church something that people look at and go, man, I want to be like that? Can I tell you, that's the kind of church that Jesus created. That's the kind of church that Jesus died for. That's the kind of church, yes, he comes into brokenness, and yes, but he's going, I want to redeem you to salvation. I want to redeem you to joy. I want to redeem you with a purpose. And he goes on in this last of the same. He says, when God reigns among his people, they become a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. I want to ask you, is Relevant Life Church set on a hill in the city of Salem that cannot be hid? 
Relevant Life Church is not a building. Relevant Life Church is not a steeple and a chair. Relevant Life Church is you and me. This is us. We are the church. And that's where we have to come back and go, is this what we're representing? The church, when we see the church first mentioned in, G, uh, in the Bible, is mentioned by Jesus. Jesus is the one, is the one that actually called it the church. Let's go back to the, to the context of it. But it's Matthew chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is popping a quiz on his disciples. How many like quizzes? How many like tests? You know, especially oral one that you're like going, I don't want to, if I answer this out loud, am I going to be, how many remember in classes going, okay, so how many read your story? How, how, how many read, read the assignment? And then you start asking questions and people are a little bit intimidated to go, am I going to give the right answer? Can I tell you that there is a right and wrong answer to this question? It's not just an opinion. Jesus comes and he says, tell me, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And his disciples are coming back. He's not saying, who do you say that I am at this point? He's saying, who do people say that I am? So there is a right and wrong answer. He's going, some say that you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say that you're a prophet. Some say you're this. Some say you're this. And then Jesus turns to Peter, a right or wrong answer. And says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Jesus, you are Jesus, the son of the, Christ, the son of the living God. And the statement that we see here about the church is Jesus turns to his disciples, turns to Peter, and he says, upon this truth, upon this statement that of who I am, he says, I will build my church and all the powers will not conquer it. I will build my church and all the powers will not conquer it. When we think about this idea of, of a church, we come and we go, uh, well, it's my church and I have to build my church. Can I tell you today, he's not calling us to build our church. We won't build his church. He's not calling us to, uh, to, to build our church. He's calling us, he, he will build his church. And he's calling us to step in line with him as he builds his church. This idea of church is this word, ecclesia, the Greek word. And what I love about this Greek word is it's not just a stationary object. It's not meaning the church a building because it's not a stationary object. It's about a people. It says the assembly of believers a gathering of believers to be called out from. So to be called out from the world, a gathering, a grouping of people that move from where they were to a different place to go back out to be. This ongoing process, this ecclesia, when Jesus is talking about the church, he never desired it to be a building. He desired it to be a people. He desired it to be about something that was so much bigger Jesus says, I will build my church. Today, when we talk about this is us, when we talk about relevant life church, when we talk about the church, we're talking about what Jesus is building. It's his church. It's his church. We're part of that church. He cares about this church. He loves this church. He wants to build this church. We're not just talking about numbers. We're talking about who we are as people. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Man, let me tell you, there's been a lot of stuff that's been thrown against the church over the last 2,000 years. A lot that's been thrown against the church over the last three years, right? Jesus said this thing called the church that I'm building, that it will not be defeated. If it's built on you and me, it's going to collapse. 
If it's built on our ability and what we can build, it's going to be crushed under the weight of society and culture. But if it's the church that Jesus is building, it says it will never be defeated. Nothing can stand against it. It will, something will try to, things will try to infiltrate. Things will try to deter it. Things will try to hinder it. But it will endure. Not only will it endure, but it's going to thrive. Can I tell you the only reason that the church of Jesus Christ has survived for 2,000 years is because it's his church and not our church. Because it is him that's building it. It isn't a human thing. As much as I love Relevant Life Church, as much as I love what we're going to step into the next several weeks, it's not my thing. It's not my church. It's not my ability that makes this happen. And really, it's not your ability that makes it happen. It does ask for your participation. The church must not lose its identity. The church must not lose its identity. So if this is a... a, a just a, a, a moment as today as you're here to go, where have I lost my identity? Where have I lost my identity as a believer in Christ? Where has the church lost its identity? Hebrews chapter 10, would you turn there with me? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there with me on that. We're going to keep this, this, this Bible thing alive. Amen? How many got your Bibles? Lift up in the air. I love it. You got it on your phone. I love it. Good for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews is written, uh, unknown author at this point. They, many people speculate, but there's not really an author that has been designated to it. But it's a book that is written to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. To the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So when you step back and you look at the theme of Hebrews, uh, can I tell you, uh, every Christian today, if you want a book, uh, if, if you want a book that's going to rock your world in our culture today, it's the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Why? Because it's written to, Jew, to, to Christians in the middle of crisis to call them back to a focus to call them back to their purpose, to call them back to their identity, to call them back to who they are. We can, I, if I had time, I could go through every chapter and give you identity of what the book of Hebrews is trying to communicate to us. But we see in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer coming back, elevating Christ, elevating all that he's done, but he's calling us to persevere in verses 24 and 25. And he says, let us consider. Everyone say consider. Consider. When's the last time that you stepped back to consider? When you came to church this morning, did you consider church this morning before you came? Not just come. Did you consider what the service would entail? Did you look at it? Did you think about it? Did you ponder it? Did you, were you concerned about it? This idea of consider is actually to step in and to engage yourself into, to go, no, let me consider how, what my part is in this. What does this look like? And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Many times you and I will consider what's church going to do for me today. What's, what am I going to get? Will someone recognize me in church? Is someone going to love on me today? Is someone going to encourage me? I'm going to sit back here and no one's even going to talk to me. I'm going to get offended. Man, the pastor was talking and I'm offended by what he said. Can I tell you, the writer in Hebrews is coming to this place and saying, let us consider not how church impacts you, but how you impact the church. Not how you get from the church, but what are you doing? Have you considered that? How you may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
not giving up meeting together as some have been in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another as the day is approaching. Heavenly Father, today I pray, would you help us to consider the church? How would you help us consider the reality of what this amazing thing called the church is? Jesus, we thank you that it's your church and it's not ours, that it's your responsibility. God, help us to be what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us consider. Let us consider. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's been a problem. It was a problem back in, it was a problem back in the day, whatever year this was, 70 AD, 80 AD. There was a problem that the writer was saying, no, go and be concerned about the body of Christ. Consider it. Don't give up meeting together. Can I tell you, this has been a problem from the beginning of time. Attendance, do I go, do I not go? Church attendance statistics, 20% of Americans attend church every single week. These are brand new, these are 2022. 41% of Americans are in a monthly church attendance or more. And I'm going to kind of shift that to go. It's probably every four to six weeks that they'll show up once. 57% of Americans are seldom or never even in a religious service in attendance. And I'm preaching to the choir today because most all of you are here on a very regular basis. But I want you to understand this process that we have, this, this, this circumstance, this situation that, that is facing us today in our culture, but has faced culture all along. This idea, should we just give up? Why do we need to go to church? Why do we even need to be there? You know, some philosophy is going, I don't have to go to church to be saved. Can I tell you, you don't have to go to church to be saved, but if you want to be a strong Christian, you have to go to church. Why? Because it's the process of one anothering, the value of the body of Christ. Today, we can see the excuses of our culture in this article that I am referring to, the statistics. People come back and go, uh, I don't go to church because I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I have other plans. I don't like the speaker. I don't see the point of even going. I have to work. I can now listen to the sermon online, so why do I need to go? Uh, church is boring. I've been hurt too many times by members of the church. I don't agree with, what, agree with or even support the leadership team. I don't feel my needs are being met. I don't, I don't need to go to church to get to heaven. I don't need da-da-da-da. But can I tell you today, the church is not about you. The church is about what you can do for the church. So often you and I come with this concept of going, I got to come to get something. If you would come to give, you will get just an automatic return. Further on in this article, the benefits that the, that, that the, that the writers write about this of going to church. The benefits of going to church, it provides physical and spiritual and emotional benefits. How many can step back and go, no, I have, I've encountered those things. Church attendance reduces stress. Church attendance uh, changes perspectives. Church attendance provides companionship. Church attendance provides corporate worship, provides opportunities to serve, provides an opportunity for children to encounter God. How many are thankful for that? Youth to encounter God. Church attendance provides encouragement provides instruction. I could go on and on and on with this list, but can I tell you today, there's a lot of excuses of why don't I go, and we've forgotten why should we go. Why should we go? Today, I've titled this message, Me Plus You Equals Us. Everyone, would you do that with me? Everyone go, me. Me plus you equals us. 
Come on, everyone do it with me. Me plus you equals us. You're not all doing it, so I'm going to just keep doing this. Here we go. Me plus you equals us. Can I tell you, that's what we're talking about today, that we're not us without you. I'm not us without you. I, uh, I, I think about the concept of this idea of a healthy me and a healthy you, and it's been our avenue for the last several, several months for our staff, probably last year and a half or so. Uh, my concept was we want a healthy, I have to be a healthy me, and you have to be a healthy you so that we can be a healthy team. And the reality is, is this, if you're not a healthy you and I'm not a healthy me, we're not going to be a healthy us if we're not striving to the, be the best of us. So today when we come and go, well, you know, if you would just be, if, I think this is our concept. If you would just be healthy, I can still stay broken and we're going to be okay. Isn't that what we kind of do in our marriage? We're going, I don't want to change, but if you would just fix you, then all of our problems are going to go away. Can I tell you that sometimes we'd look at that in the church to go, you know, if they would just do because I'm, I'm just not as mature as them, they just need to do better rather than going, no, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? So today when we talk about this concept of me plus you equals us, this idea is that me, I have to, I have to own who I am as the church. You have to own who you are as the church so that we can come together to be the church. So that we can come and be what Christ called us to be. And as we look over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at Bible qualities, biblically founded items that declare this is us. Topics such as being Christ-centered, topics as being Holy Spirit-led, Bible-based, people of character, people who serve, people who are missional, people who live a life of relevance to God's Word, People who are intentional, people who are prayer-focused and worship-focused, people who are relational, who are multi-generational. This series, as we begin to step back, these are not just, just positive ideas. These are biblically founded concepts that I realize that if I don't step in and I expect you to do, we will never be us. But if you expect me to do and you never do, we will never be us. If we don't come back and go, no, my life is going to be Christ-centered, and you come back and go, no, my life is going to be Christ-centered, we're not going to be a Christ-centered church. If you don't come back and go, no, I am going to be relational, and, you're going to, and you go, I'm going to be relational, we're not going to be a relational church. How many know that relationships take two people? It's two-sided. If one person does all of the reaching and no one ever reaches back, it's a relationship that's going to come to an end. But for this series to become successful, for this series to become produce fruit in our lives, it's got to be something that we step back and go, no, I want this. I want this. It has to have value. This word value is the importance of. When we talk about value, it's how much something is worth. We talk about a value, an object, and we can go, okay, no, well, to some people, this value might be this. To some people, it may not be this. So we ask you, when we think about the church, what value does the church have in your life? Do you value the church? Do you value what it is? The usefulness of something? That's what Hebrews is basically saying and coming back going, have you considered? Have you considered the church? Have you considered the usefulness of the church? Have you considered the value of the church? 
what I've realized is this. The value is really proven by what you are willing to give up in exchange for it. Value is determined by what you're willing to give up in exchange for. You can go down to the, the car lot down here and go, uh, you want this, this brand new uh, truck. And the value on that is $70,000. And you're going, I don't want to give $70,000 for that truck. Is that, is that really what the value is? Today, what we have to come back and go, no, I want, when we talk about the church, what are we willing to give in response to it? What are we willing to give up in response of it? When we think about our life, we think about uh, what is it that you value? What is it in your life that is so important that you would give up precious time, energy, and money for? You say, well, you know, Pastor Kevin, I really don't know. Can I tell you? Why don't you go look at your calendar and your checkbook, your time, because you are exchanging the value of your life for something. You're exchanging the value of who you are and what you occupy your life with for something. And I'm not knocking anything that we have in our lives today, but can I tell you, when we begin to look at our calendars and they're filled with all of our activities and all of our kids' activities and all of the multiple things that are going on and we can't attend church, what does that express about the value of church? When we can save all of our money to go on a vacation, but we can't give money to the church to tithe an offering, what does that say about the church? It expresses the value that the value is exchanged for something. Today, I want to talk about three things to kind of give us this concept of value. We want to invite you in an opportunity to align your values with us, to align your values with the Bible, to align your values with what is best for Relevant Life Church. Three things to this morning is what, what you value, you pursue. What you value, you pursue. This word pursue is to actively or purposefully go after. What you value, you pursue. What you value, you fill your life with. What you value, you fill your activities with. What you value, you spend your time doing. Can I tell you one of the most revelatory things and I, in preparation for my sermon this morning is I went back on my Apple phone and I looked at all of the time that Kevin spends on his phone. I'm not going to tell you how much time I spend on my phone. <laughs> but can I tell you, I was extremely convicted. Why? Because what I pursue is what I value. What I spend my time doing is what I find value in. And I hate to tell you, I, have, I don't value my word game as much as my in my mind as much as my time is telling me that I do. And I can excuse it to go, you know, it's just the way that I disconnect. I'm watching, I'm spending time with Rhonda. She's on the couch. She's present. Right? Think about it as we step back and go, what we pursue is what we value. What we pursue is what, is what we're going after. Job, in Job chapter 34, one of his advisors made this statement. He says, we should choose to follow what is right. Great statement, right? We should choose to follow what is right. Isn't that what America is doing today? We're choosing to follow what we think is right. Last part of this, but first of all, we must define among ourselves what is good. Can I tell you what happens in our lives as we come back and go, well, no, everyone's doing it, so it's right. 
I'm with Rhonda, so it's right. But we've got to come back and go, we've got to define what is good. And what do we get good from? God's word. We've got to come back and go, is, is what I'm pursuing, what I'm choosing, it may be right, but is it good? James chapter 1 verse 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. And can I tell you, as I look at my phone and my thinking, as I look at my phone and my, my report, and I go to my brain of what I'm thinking, I'm going, Kevin, you're double-minded because you're thinking one thing and you're doing another thing. Because I'm thinking I'm honoring God. I'm thinking I'm spending time with Rhonda. I'm thinking I'm doing a, a, a good thing. But is it the good thing? You say, well, Pastor Kevin, are you being legalistic? What I want you to know here today is that we can come back and we can evaluate all of our lives. What you pursue, you value. If you're pursuing things for the church, it's showing value. If you're pursuing things for your life, it's showing what you value. Jesus said it this way. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. There your treasure is. I mean, this is not nothing new. This is, this, this is, this is Jesus said this. What you value is where your heart follows. What's important to you is where your heart goes. What, what, you, what you deem a value, your attention is going to be focused on. And really, when we come back to the concept of the church of Jesus Christ, his church, not our church, his church that he's building, that you and I are those foundation stones that he's building into a church, he's, going, he's, he's looking around going, are they available? Do we, have, do we have a brick missing here? Do we have a, a beam missing here because they've stepped out rather than stepped in? Question for you this morning, or statement, I guess. What you pursue, what you pursue determines what you value. What you pursue determines what you value. Number two, what you value, you protect. What you value, you protect. This word protect is to aim, to preserve, to guard, to keep safe from harm or injury. Let me ask you today, how do you protect what you value? What is it that you value? I think probably all of us could come back and go, no, I value my family. How many would say you value your family? Your husband, your wife, your children, you value your family. Uh, You value your possessions, right? You value the things that you have. You value your house. You value your car. When you get out of your car, do you just leave your car and all your belongings out on the seat and leave it unlocked, leave the door open? People are shaking their head, no, no, we lock it. When you leave your house, when you left your house this morning, did you leave your doors wide open? Did you leave it unlocked? Can I tell you today, what is it that we do in our culture to protect what we value? We lock the doors. We put seatbelts on our children. We have safes that we put things in. Some of you carry a weapon or some of you have a weapon. Some of us set boundaries. We look to a bank for security of, the, of our financial standings. Can I tell you today that all of us to some degree purposefully protect what we value? We figure out how are we going to protect it. How We have fire insurance just in case, God forbid, something happens to our house. But we're trying to protect what is valuable to us. When we don't protect what's valuable, 
it's going to get stolen or it's going to get abused. Whenever there's a separation between values and practices, there's, things break down. In ancient China, the people desired security from the barbaric invading hordes to the north. To get this protection, they built what is now known as the Great Wall of China. And this wall, and still is, truly great. It's 30 feet high, it's 18 feet thick, and more than 1,500 miles long. The goal of the Chinese was to build an absolutely impenetrable defense, too high to climb over, too thick to break down, and too long to go around. But during the first 100 years of the wall's existence, China was successfully invaded not once, not twice, but three times. It wasn't because the wall had a fault. During all three invasions, the barbaric hordes never climbed over the wall, broke it down, or went around it. They simply bribed a gatekeeper and then marched right through the open door. The purpose of the wall failed because of the breakdown of values. Can I tell you today, we value what we pursue, but we value what we protect. And I come back and go, are we stepping into a place of protecting the church of Jesus Christ? Are we protecting the unity? Are we protecting the faithfulness? Are we protecting the character? Are we protecting the godliness and the, bibli- the biblical standards? Our churches today, across America, can I tell you, it's evident that thieves have broken through the gates. They're simply slipping past the guards unnoticed. They're robbing churches of vitality, of purposes, and identities, and meaning. Whether they're human people or they're spiritual beings that are coming in and robbing you of who you are. Pastor Kevin, how are they robbing us? When you come in and you're focused about you rather than them, it's the imp on your shoulder going, it's, you matter, you just don't matter. It's that demon that's whispering in your ear going, but what about you? What about you? What, did they ignore, can you believe that they ignored you? Can you believe that they didn't text you back when I texted you this week? Can I tell you what happens is the enemy comes in and he brings an offense. Well, they, don't, they preach one thing, but they don't live it. Can I tell you, from the very beginning, the church has been founded on grace. And if we remove grace from it today, we're going to collapse. So just because what oftentimes happens is we go, I want grace, but you don't need grace. Can I tell you, everyone needs grace. And we've got to come to a place of going, how are we going to protect the unity that is here? Robbers lurk at the doorways of our churches Can I tell you the feeling of feeling violated, of being broken? We've been broken here, and the feeling of feeling violated, the feeling of of trying to do everything we possibly could for security, and yet them crossing the boundaries. Can I tell you that that's what happens in our lives? We put up the security, or we think it's there, but the enemy is going to go, I'm going to cross over however I can. We must protect what we value. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes to Timothy, It says, Timothy, guard, everyone say guard. Guard what has been entrusted to you. 
Guard what's been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. I want you to grasp this morning, grasp this today. We're talking, we're talking 60, 70 AD right here in this letter. Paul is writing to Timothy, a pastor in a church of Ephesus. He's going, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. What's been entrusted to him was the truth, was the foundation of the truth of God. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Do not allow godless chatter and opposing ideas to come in and sway you. Can I tell you it's the words for us today in 2023? Paul's writing, he's saying, He's saying, guard what has been entrusted to you. It's still the truth. Don't allow the godless chatter and the opposing ideas to pull you away like many are departing the faith. We look around this room. I can look around this room of who sat here pre-COVID and who sit here after COVID. Some of them have just gone to another church and God bless them, but some of them have walked away from God. Why? Because of the godless chatter and the opposing ideas. That you don't have faith because you're wearing a mask or you're not, you're not being wise because you are wearing a mask, whatever. I mean, there was all this stuff that came in opposing ideas that people walked away from faith. They walked away from the relationship. And Paul's going, guard, hold it closely, keep it safe. Today I ask you, are you guarding the church? Are you guarding relationships? Are you guarding unity? Are you coming to a place of going, no, we're going to oppose the ideas of our culture and we're going to step in line with what the truth says? These core values are founded on truth. These core values are biblical principles that we want to call you to, to hold on to that you would guard them. Daniel Webster says this, if truth be not diffused, error will be. I can tell you with confidence we don't always do it perfectly, but we, diffu- we, we diffuse truth from the pulpit. We, we preach truth because we're preaching the word of God. If God and his word are not known and received, the devil and his works will gain the ascendancy. If the evangelical volume does not reach every hamlet, the pages of a corrupt and licentious literature will. The power of the gospel is not felt throughout the length and the breadth of the land. If the power of the gospel is not felt throughout the length and the breadth of the land, corruption and darkness will reign. Today I ask you, are you aware? Are you guarding? How do we guard as Christians? We get on our knees and we pray for. How do we guard as Christians? Someone says something in gossip and we stand for righteousness. How do we guard as Christians? We see something happening and we bring correction through the word of God. Can I tell you today that we have got to step up and we've got to come to a place of boldness. We need more guards. We need more guards. We need more gatekeepers. We need more people to go, no, we're not going to allow, we're not going to be invaded. We're not going to be invaded because we value this. What you value, protect but can I tell you what, what you value also protects you? When you think about the body of Christ, when you're plugged into a church, not only are you protecting it, but can I tell you, they're protecting you. They care about you. They're praying over you. They're, they're going, God, cover us. We value what we pursue. We value what we protect. And lastly today, what you value, you promote. 
what you value, you promote, promote the further progress of, to advance or to raise in importance to, to flourish. How many want Relevant Life Church to flourish? How many want the, let's see, let's, how many want the church of Jesus Christ to flourish? We promote it. You promote it with your life. One person says, I believe it was Craig Rochelle, you communicate with your words, but you demonstrate with your actions. You communicate with your words, but you demonstrate with your actions. And James talks about it. He says, if, he goes, you're a double-minded man if you, can't, if you don't do, if, you don't, if, if what you say you don't do. We've got to come and go, no, I'm going to promote with my, act- my words, but I'm going to promote with my actions. Can I tell you that many times these are statements that I'll get, Pastor, we love this church. We just think this church is so amazing. And I step back and I go, but where are you? Why, if, if this church is so amazing and you love this church so much, why do you come once every six weeks? Why don't I only see you on Christmas and Easter? If you love this church, why don't you financially support this church? Because we need your finances. Not, not just because we want your, we, we need to be able to do what we're doing. If you love this church, why aren't you serving somewhere? Why aren't you stepping in and going, no, I'm not going to come and just go, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to be a taker, I'm going to be a giver. I ask you, are you promoting and living the values of the church? You promote with your choices, you promote with your attendance, you promote with your giving, you promote with your serving, you promote with your being present and your living, you promote with your voice. What you value, what you value you want to share with others. What you value you want to share with others. Isn't that the truth? When you value something, you want to talk about it to somebody else. First Thessalonians, Paul writes, he says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. This idea of encourage means to give courage to to give courage to. When you come in and you're looking for encouragement, I guarantee if you would give courage, someone's going to give courage to you. Our job is to promote, promote courage to others, to pro- promote building up to others, this body of Christ. What I do know is this, values are caught even though we think that they're taught. Many times we say, do as I do. Just, just do it. Would you just do this? Let me teach you how. Can I tell you, there's a lot of teaching that goes across the pulpit from Relevant Life Church. But I hope that you're catching something when you see lives of people that are serving God. I hope you're catching something when you go, no, that's a person of character. Can I tell you, when I see people on the, in, the, in the worship team or I see people serving and I see people back there going, man, I love that person. Amen. What they're doing is promoting a lifestyle of who they are. Amen. What they're doing when they greet someone, I go, no, they're sincere. That's not fake. Amen. So how do we promote? How do we promote? Can I tell you that you're going to repeat what you value? When I talk about repeat what you value, you're going to talk about it. When you're on the job, when you're in the church, when you're with people, what you value, you're going to talk about. So I think the question you have to come back to is go, what am I obsessed with talking about? Am I elevating what I promote? 
Because what you value, what you value, you're going to talk about. And I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about all the other things in your life, but can I tell you, maybe somewhere God wants to shift what you're talking about. Because I say, I believe this, that when you start talking more about these values, you're going to start valuing them more. Not only do you repeat what you value, but you, you have to live out what you value. You got to lead by example. If you value the word of God, you're going to bring the word of God. You're going to read the word of God. You're going to let, you're, you're going to talk about the word of God. If you value the church, you're going to talk about the importance of the church. You're going to give to the church. You're going to serve the church. You're going to go, how do I, how do I, not relevant life church, but how do I further the gospel for Jesus Christ? So we repeat what you value, live out what you value. And lastly, you've got to encourage and invite others to join you in what you value. Isn't that what Matthew chapter 28 is all about? Go into all the world and preach the gospel because you value the gospel. Promote the gospel. Call them to come into salvation. And yes, we're talking about that concept of going out. But can I tell you that we need to not just promote it out there. We need to promote it amongst us. We need to invite others amongst us to go, you know, if, they're, if someone's offended or someone's hurt or whatever, that we come back and go, you know, can, can I just promote what I value? Can I call you to a different place? Can I challenge you? How, how many are challengeable in this room today? Come on, how many are challengeable today? That, are you willing for someone to challenge you if you're saying something that, that they're going, ah, that doesn't line up with this? Can I tell you, we need to be people that promote with, I'm not saying we're correcting everybody, but can I tell you, out of love, because you value them and you value the church, you're going to speak up about it, right? We're going to speak up about it. We're going to come and go, no, that's not right. That, that, uh, that, that's, not, that's not really what we think. What you really value, you're going to promote to others. What you really value, you're going to promote to others. And so I stopped here today and go, what, what do you value? What is it that you value? What does your life declare that you value? People could look at my life and go, Kevin, you value your home because you have a beautiful home. Kevin, you value your vehicles because you got great cars. Can I tell you, I value those things. They're there. They're, they're, they're items that I have to steward that I can honestly step back and go, God has blessed me with those things. But can I tell you this? If you look at Kevin and Rhonda's checkbook, you're going to see what we value. You're going to see what we value. And I don't say that to point attention to us. We value the church of Jesus Christ. We value missionaries. It is impossible for a missionary to come without Rhonda and I looking at one another going, we got to give to them. We got to support them. And I'm not saying that for me, but I'm telling you, what we value, we promote. What we value, you're going to see it in our life and in our calendar. And it's not just because I have a pastor as a title. It's because I love God. It's because I'm called of God, not as a pastor only, but as a Christian to promote his kingdom. Everyone say it with me. Me, me. plus you me. equals us. Come on, one more time. Me, me. plus you equals us. As I close, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. Now you, you are the body of Christ. 
you, us, we're the body of Christ. And each one of us, each one of you is part of it. Today, you may have been dissuaded by an identity of going, where do I fit? You fit here. You fit here. You belong here. If you're online, you belong here. You fit here. You're part of us. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Each one of you brings part of the body of Christ that if we don't function together, something's going to be missing. How many will commit over the next eight weeks you're going to listen and say, God, I want to value these things. God, I want to value these. God, across this room, you see hands raised. You see hearts. God, in the name of Jesus, help us to step into these values, these biblical biblical values that can shape our lives and shape this gathering place. God, God, shift us. God, help us to value the church. This is a big prayer. God, help us to value the church like you value the church. Would you say that today? God, help me value the church as you value the church. God, would you give me a, a love for the people around me. Give me a love that I value it so much. God, give me a love that I, that I, that I, I want to promote it, that I want to pursue it. God, that I want to protect it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, one more time. Uh, one more time, would you stand together with your feet? Stand, stand together with your feet. There you go, that's good. Stand together on your feet. There we go. With your feet, you can, you can stand on your hands too, I suppose. Let's do it one more time. Here we go. Go, me plus you equals us. Amen. God bless you. Our prayer teams are coming around the front. If you need prayer, they're here to minister strength to you as well and to encourage you. God bless. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.